Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Now, nonstop sports talk continues with news and analysis from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. Not the hero we deserved, but the hero we needed. This is the Big Six. It's going to be you. With your host, Jason Martin. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Straight up, 6 o'clock. Time for the Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. Follow me there. Telephone number 615-737-1045. That's 737-1045 if you want to join the program. A lot of stuff to get to tonight. Some people, coaches that are defending people without information. Will Muschamp seems like an idiot at this point. We'll play some audio that you may not have heard so far. Also, Hugh Jackson and his brand of discipline. We'll get to that late in the show. A.J. Johnson to Denver is kind of amazing. There's not all that much to say about it, but if you want to react to it one way or the other, obviously you can via either social media or via the phone lines. This show, you can consume it how you want. I want to remind you of that. You can subscribe to the podcast through Apple, through Google Play, through whatever it is that you use to consume podcasts, subscribe to The Big Six with Jason Martin. Leave us a review. We would definitely appreciate that as well. You can go to 1045thezone.com slash big six. You can get all the episodes standalone there. If you add blog to the end of the address I just gave you, that's slash big six blog. You'll get all my writing, sharp objects review last night, better call Saul review. I finished up about a half hour ago. It will go up tonight right at nine o'clock as the East Coast airing of that uh, comes to its conclusion. And then, of course, you can stream this show live as well. If you're not in Nashville and you are listening to this via podcast right now at some other time, 1045zone.com, you can stream all of our content. That's Wake Up Zone, Midday 180, 3HL, and lucky to be part of this team here with the Big Six. Tonight, I want to talk to you about something I've talked to you about before, but in a different context. But I told you that this is something that would come up on this show a lot. And it's not really because of my background necessarily. It's because sports is the ultimate brand of reality storytelling. So I'm going to go to pro wrestling again. That doesn't mean tune out. I'm not going to get into the, the weeds of pro wrestling. But we all sat captivated yesterday and watched Bell Reeve for four hours or maybe a little bit more. And we watched on Saturday. And some of us, me being the PGA golf nut that I am, watched all of Thursday and Friday as well. But we sat there and we watched this. We watched this drama unfold. And this builds on something I talked about, like I said, a few weeks ago when I was speaking about dynasties and how dynasties are not a bad thing. And I sat there as the round started, a couple holes in, and said, Kepka's going to win this. In my head, I felt like he was going to win it. I saw his act at the U.S. Open. I see kind of how steely he is when he's dialed in. Doesn't look to be flappable. 
and he was just out there playing golf. When he's in the mix on Sunday at a major, he didn't win very much outside of majors. He has four wins. Three of them are majors. Two of them are U.S. Opens. He's won three of the last eight majors on the PGA Tour. But we know that basically everybody outside his immediate family, and maybe even a few of them, if you put them under a lie detector, might say the same thing. We were all rooting for the stripe yesterday. We were rooting for Tiger Woods. I didn't expect him to win it, but the run that he made turned out to be better than him actually finishing the job. Better, because he did not win. And that might be where you've tapped your brake pedal on your car to sit and pay attention to what I have to say. Tiger Woods is my favorite athlete ever. I've made no bones about that fact. It's basically Tiger Woods and John Elway and Dale Murphy, and then the list goes on from there. But when he did not quite get there, I felt personally like golf won even more than it would have had he actually captured the PGA Championship in his 15th major yesterday. And this is where I get to pro wrestling because, again, the money is in the chase for a babyface. Babyface means hero. Heel means villain. Those are the only two terms that I'm going to drop here as I try to describe to this, describe this to you. Protagonist, hero, fan favorite. That is your baby face. Your heel is your villain, the one that cheats, the one that does whatever he has to do by hook or by crook to stay on top. He's basically Urban Meyer, if you want to just try and really find a contextual example right now. Brooks Kepka winning yesterday created a new dominant guy. Three of the last eight majors. I don't even know what his voice sounds like. He doesn't really have charisma. He has a look. And he obviously can hit it a mile, and he's got an unbelievable amount of confidence out there, but none of that matters. They're trying to create this, he's got a chip on his shoulder narrative because everybody's paying attention to Tiger Woods while he's dominating golf, but nobody's buying that. I tweeted out yesterday around the 16th hole, I think he probably is the best player in the world right now. Not DJ, even though he's number one, not Justin Thomas, as good as he is, or anybody else. I think Kepka right now is on top of his game more so than anybody else. And I think he's doing it more consistently and with more confidence. But what you created yesterday was a new champion. He is carrying the belt. He's carrying the championship right now as far as I'm concerned. And now we're just sitting back waiting for the 2019 major season. Because not only do we have our heel champion, and that's kind of sad to say. I mean, dude's an American who's done nothing wrong other than not being Tiger Woods. But we've got our heel champion. We've got our New York Yankees. We've got a new guy on the scene. And then we've got our top baby face. And this dude has all kinds of story behind him because of personal failings and because of health issues and because of character concerns. And this is a guy that we've seen more dominant during a stretch in his sport than anyone ever has been in their sport. And that guy has somehow captured our hearts through all of it. So now that everyone knows this, if you were writing this story, you don't put the title on the fan favorite for a while. That is the top of the mountain. You have to have a climb in a good story. There has to be a journey there. Tiger is on that climb. And he made some serious strides over this tournament, and over this major season. 
Nothing is better for golf right now than for that summit to be within reach for Tiger Woods for the viewing public. But still, he's not quite there. He hasn't been able to finish that hike yet. And then that summit that we can see and we know that he can see has some slippery points. He's going to grab at some point to try and climb and maybe he's going to lose the grip a little bit and the drives are going to spray left and right. And maybe he's going to run out of oxygen. And the slippery points, there's so many of them, and that's what makes this such a compelling story. Slippery points like Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Jason Day, Tony Finau, Tommy Fleetwood, Justin Rose, any other names that you want to mention that I forgot, Rory McIlroy, and then... Another slippery point is the health of his back. And another slippery point is driving the golf ball. And then finally, it's closing the deal. Let's say Tiger Woods wins yesterday. That is a great moment. And then the story immediately reverts back to whether or not he's going to be able to catch Jack Nicklaus. And that still seems unlikely to me. But because he lost... It's almost like he got powder thrown in his eyes behind the ref's back and got rolled up for a 1-2-3. It's almost like he got cheated, but he didn't. He just got beat. Brooks Kepka was better than he was yesterday. Made a few more shots that he was not able to do. That front nine from Tiger Woods yesterday was the roller coaster of all roller coasters. Zero fairways, absurd scrambles, clutch putts. It was phenomenal television. It's as good as it gets. And all the while, Kepka just sits back and plays golf without flinching. Now, WrestleMania hits in April every year. It's usually the day before the NCAA National Championship in college basketball or the day after the Final Four. And then the Masters is within, you know, seven to ten days right there afterwards. And WrestleMania has always been kind of the babyface time. Now, that's changed in recent years, but generally that's when the babyface, that's when your fan favorite would finally win because WrestleMania was seen from a business perspective as the reward to the fans for paying attention for a year and giving their money and giving their time, okay, now we're going to put your guy on top of that mountain. Because Tiger didn't win, but at the same time looked good enough to have won, now the storyline still contains a what if. It's not a did you see. There were some of that. But those are fleeting moments. What if is awesome. What if is something we can talk about until April. What if is why we love sports. What if is what makes some Vanderbilt football fan out there listening to me right now think Derek Mason's going to win 10 games with Kyle Shermer at quarterback this season. What if is why your NFL team has hope until the season starts, even if you're a Browns fan. And that is the key component to all of this. One four-letter word, hope. Hope is the best kind of story. I want you to think back to your own childhood. Think back to Christmas season. Anticipating Christmas morning. Waiting to get all those presents that you wanted. That was torture. At least at the time it was. 
But how quickly once you actually got to Christmas morning and you ripped open all those gifts, was that moment over? How quickly, and for me, sadly, it was often within that same day, did you begin looking forward to more gifts? Maybe not even appreciating the ones that were right in front of you. Yeah, you just got seven action figures, but man, that eighth and ninth is really going to set this thing off. Here, in this story, we have one gift to open. Tiger wins another major. And for him to get that close, as close as he got yesterday, it feels like we are now on an eight-month Christmas Eve. And it's one that we can all share. And to me, all that does is make the anticipation for Augusta or for Beth Page or for Pebble Beach or for Royal Portrush, those the settings of the four majors in 2019, it makes the anticipation that much more special. The ratings were up 69% yesterday because Tiger was chasing. Golf got those ratings regardless of the fact that Tiger didn't actually win. That is phenomenal for the PGA Tour. They got the ratings. They got the chase. They got the drama. Everybody thinks Tiger Woods is back, but he still hasn't gotten to the summit. There is more left to write in this story. Think of sports as the ultimate reality storytelling. And think about a beginning, a middle, and an end. And then consider that getting to the end, the spot from the middle to the end, where you see the redemption, where you see overcoming obstacles, where often you see getting close, and then somehow someone moves it, and you end up having to continue that journey. That is why we watch. That is why we love all of this. And that's why we all sat there captivated yesterday. We watched a story, and I think we are blessed, and I'm not sure we all realize this, we are blessed that he didn't win because now we've got a reason to watch again in 2019 to see if finally he's going to get to the top of Mount Everest. 615-737-1045. Big Six, 1045 The Zone. Back, Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. 615-737-1045 is the way to join us easiest. Well, I guess it's easier to tweet, but if you want to call, you can. Amanda Shire is bringing us back. She was here last night, played the Ryman. First time she's ever headlined it. I was there. It was fantastic. Her husband, Jason Isbell, was also there. Pretty awesome. Also awesome. Football is here. We are ready to kick the season off with a bang by giving you the chance to win season tickets to the Vols or the Titans. Tune in every weekday at 9.05, 12.05, and 4.05. That'll be your chance to win a Coca-Cola prize pack and to qualify for Vols season tickets and Titans season tickets. All you got to do is listen for the cue to call. Kick the season off with us. It's 104.5 The Zone's season ticket kickoff. It's presented by Coca-Cola. Find out more now at the website, 1045thezone.com. And while you're there, check out the Big Six blog and read what I've had to say about pop culture over the last week. I'm going to write about Tiger Woods and 
Obviously, some sports topics as well, especially as we're getting into football season. Better Call Saul review will be up later tonight, and I'm going to write on Succession, which I did not write on weekly. But I believe if you have HBO and you have not watched Succession, uh, you need to get on that as soon as possible. One of the best shows of the year, certainly one of the best first seasons in quite some time in drama. A lot of stuff to like about that show. So what I talked about in that first segment was that Tiger Woods has really become the perfect baby face to use a pro wrestling analogy. And because of that, the longer that we can go where he is close, but we have the no cigar moment for him, is best for the long-term storytelling of the PGA. We've got Doug in the borough. He wants to join us tonight. Doug, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. And you? Doing good, bud. Hey, so listen to your first segment. I somewhat agree with it, but I don't fully agree with you because I think, honestly, if he won yesterday, it's still a cliffhanger. People are, if not, I, I think they were as much into it and waiting for the Masters and you know the majors to come around next year as they are with him almost winning yesterday. I know I was glued, and, and I'm I'm a I watch the PGA maybe twenty percent of the time, but when Tiger, you know, I flipped it on yesterday and sat down and started watching the beginning of it, and I saw that he came out of the gates pretty strong, and I stuck with it the whole day. And you know, suddenly I realized everybody I knew, everybody's watching it, and. Uh, so, yeah, I do understand, and, and sure, your background with uh, wrestling, which it's not my thing, and it's a scripted sport, and it's just physical theater. But anyway, they know how to script it, and they know how they do know how to keep people coming back that they that enjoy wrestling. So, you know, I do see where you, you're able to take that and, and look at, at this and, and say, hey, this is what will keep things going. But I think people with Tiger, people just want to see Tiger back. Period. I mean, we've been waiting, what, I don't even know how many years now, uh, to see him back and playing strong golf. And, and yeah, the thing, I think the biggest obstacle is his back. I think he is, he is back as a person, but I think his physical ability to keep playing is his biggest challenge at this point. It may be. And, you know, you said a, a lot of things there. Certainly, I'm... The pro wrestling deal is only kind of a way for me to talk about the storytelling aspect as it relates to sports. Yes, there is an advantage to be able to script things like this. But if I were scripting the Tiger Woods comeback, I would have scripted it exactly how it played out this year. We saw flashes at the British Open. Nine holes to play. He's got the lead and he fades on his own. Yesterday, he just got beat by somebody that was playing a little bit better. And as I think me and several thousand other people probably tweeted out at different times yesterday, the less he drives, the better. Virgil Herring on Talking Golf, back when we were at Carnoustie, we talked to him on the Friday, the second round. He said, look, Tiger Woods' biggest problem is he can't drive. He doesn't even drive at the level of a PGA Tour professional at this point. Now, he had a couple of uh, driver twirls there on that back nine. That front nine was ugly. Usually his irons are better than that off the tee. But he's always been a guy who's short game and his clutch putting and his ability to scramble and make shots like that just absurd nonsense that we saw out of the cart path that was just a couple of feet from being out of bounds. That kind of stuff is what's made Tiger Woods what Tiger Woods has become. But one of the things that I pointed out there about Tiger was that 
we now basically have an eight-month Christmas Eve waiting to open the gift. Now, we still would have potentially wanted to see Tiger win, or I'm sure we would have still wanted to see Tiger win at Augusta. But the fact that he hasn't won makes the anticipation that much more special because he can only win his next major after this long. You know, 2008 at Torrey was the last time. He can only win his first major in a decade or more. He can only do that once. Then it just becomes can he win again after that. And that's still compelling, but not to the same level. Because we know that every golf tournament is incredibly difficult to win. And we are seeing the rise of not one. There's not one guy that's stepped up to replace Tiger. But there are a lot of really talented guys that on any given weekend can win in the PGA. And we're seeing all of them and their names kind of rising up as a group to potentially challenge Tiger. There's not the, can Sergio take him down that maybe we had in the past? But we've got a group of guys that can get it done. But unlike Christmas Eve, when we were kids, in this case, we aren't even sure Christmas Day is ever going to come. How awesome is that as a sports fan? To want something so badly as a majority sports public, not just a fan base here, not just we're Browns fans and we want to see the Cleveland Browns win, but as a majority sports public, you saw Twitter yesterday. People went insane. We were all tweeting about Tiger all day long. But as a majority sports public to want it that badly, as people that are just drawn to this one entity on a golf course, to be able to share in that desire and never to know if and when it's actually going to come. Had he won it yesterday, my argument is, We'd certainly be saying he's back and he's won and blah, blah, blah. But because he got as close as he did and didn't, because we saw the progress from each major this year, especially how he played at the British Open and faded, and then the way he finished yesterday at the PGA Championship with that putt on 18. We're still saying he's back. Everybody says today he is back. I am sitting here behind this microphone saying, yes. He is fully back now. Is he Tiger from 2000? No, he's never going to be that guy again. He's not the guy that's going to hit it as long off the tees. They're not Tiger-proofing courses anymore. There are guys that hit it further than he does. So he's not the same Tiger Woods. But the fact of the matter is, whether or not he wins or he comes in second or third place, the way that he played yesterday, he's back either way in our eyes. But the win itself is not guaranteed. And that's why I go to the pro wrestling analogy and say he's become the perfect hero. He's become the Hulk Hogan. He's become the Stone Cold Steve Austin. He has become the guy we will pay money or we'll pay in our time spent in front of a television or buying a ticket or a weekend pass to go to a golf course to watch him play, and we hope to see him win. Folks, if you ever wanted to understand how to make money telling stories, whether you're J.K. Rowling or Harlan Coben or Steven Spielberg or Vince Gilligan, whatever it is, the PGA Championship yesterday illustrated it better than just about anybody ever could. That is exactly what you want if you're golf. Tiger looked apart. He did some utterly incredible things, like that shot I just talked about from the cart path. 
blasting it out when he just barely missed the water hazard a little a few holes later. A few of the putts that he made, how dialed in his short game was. But I think everybody else today is much better than they used to be in terms of his contemporaries and his peers. He's not prime Tiger Woods anymore. That is an added layer of depth to all of this. We watched a guy yesterday we know is good enough to win, but the story continues. We can release sequels to this. If we get to Augusta next year and he wins, and we've sat here for eight months and we've watched kind of a slow build of Tiger Woods as he's made it back, as he's fought out of back surgery, as we have not seen him put together four great rounds, but now we're starting to see him come back around. Now he's not just in the mix, but he's in the mix near the top of the leaderboard on a consistent basis. But we've still got the Brooks Kepkas of the world and the DJs and the Fowlers and the Justin Thomases and all of these guys that are coming, that are young. I think the PGA is in a wonderful spot. Again, think about it. The ratings were up. And it wasn't contingent on the fact that Tiger Woods won. It was contingent on the fact that Tiger Woods was in the mix. So if you can keep him in the mix and keep getting him closer and closer to winning, next year, if he wins, that's the perfect ending. Yesterday was the perfect way to get us the cliffhanger, the one-of-a-kind cliffhanger for Tiger Woods. Once he wins another major, I don't think it has quite the same impact as it does now. For the next eight months, and we'll see, you know, in the FedEx playoffs, but that's going to be different. We're all going to be waiting for Augusta next year. And then Beth Page, where Tiger Woods has won a U.S. Open in the past, where it'll be the PGA Championship this time around next May. We're all going to be paying attention to this. But for the next eight months, around water coolers, around studios in our cases, around wherever it is that you work or your family or your friends or when you're out there on the links yourself, we're going to be talking about whether or not Tiger Woods can win in 2019 because we saw a guy that seemed good enough to win yesterday and somebody was a little bit better. To me, that is an incredibly compelling narrative. And that, you just can't, you can't even script it better than that. So the PGA has to be doing backflips. We'll be right back. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back. Hope your Monday has gone well for you. Bringing the at least sunshine here in the Music City to a close on this Monday evening. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. My name is Jason Martin. Glad to have you with us. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can follow me there. Titans will return to Nissan Stadium on Saturday night. Nobody has you covered like us here at 104.5 The Zone. You want to tune in beginning at 5 on Saturday for the Lee Company countdown to kick off. Then tune in as Mike Keith and Dave McGinnis have the call of Titans Bucks on Titans Radio. Your home of the Titans remains 104.5 The Zone. So we'll, of course, all be paying attention to that. Got a fist pound from Coach Mack today. That happens every time I see him. Always makes my day. And that dude made me smart enough from football to go out and drop a little bit of coin on Madden 19 and actually employ the concepts that he's been teaching me and actually going into the practice mode as opposed to going into exhibition mode just to work on outside zones and looking at different personnel groupings and all sorts of things going on. The learning that goes on in this building sometimes is pretty incredible. Also incredible 
And I can't really speak to why this is, but I got one more thought on Tiger Woods quickly, and that is you always hear these arguments about how Tiger is bigger than golf and he's the one that brings everybody that everybody wants to come and pay attention to, and none of these guys have charisma, whether it's Kepka or Thomas or Johnson or whoever it is. They just don't have charisma. Does Tiger Woods have charisma? Did he ever have charisma? Like, I mean, the reason why I am asking this question is because I'm with you, all of you guys. I said in the first segment, Tiger Woods is my favorite athlete of all time. But he's known more for never saying anything. Like, ever. Like, robotic answers and all of those things unfeeling, you know, he's not the guy that's giving high fives to the patrons. He's walking past them with his head down like just about everybody else. And then people are going to say, well, Brooks Kepka is boring or Adam Scott is boring or whoever. It's just like, is it just his game? Is it just Tiger Woods' game that we remember when he used to knock it five miles down the fairway? Is that why we think he has charisma? Like Tiger Woods doesn't really have some like outstanding charisma, yet we act as if he's so far different than everybody else. That's not really the case. But I'm exactly like all of you. I think he is different as well. Like something about him is different, and I can't figure out for the life of me what it is about Tiger Woods and what it's always been that has made him so unique. Maybe it is his playing style. Maybe it is the fist bumps. But, I mean, I've seen Jordan Spieth do a lot of fist pumps. I've seen Rory do a lot of fist pumps. I've seen a lot of the same kind of stuff. Maybe it's just because he was the first one that broke out, but I mean, golf is not naturally a charismatic game anyway. How many charismatic golfers in history do you really think of? You think of what? Lee Trevino, maybe. Arnold Palmer obviously had charisma. And there have been a lot of candid golfers through the years that say a lot of things that get them into trouble. But Tiger Woods has never been very candid and never really wanted to talk very much about anything other than his golf game. I just find it kind of amazing that all the golfers other than Tiger Woods get knocked for not having charisma when they're all sort of the same. Like, there's no Tiger Woods is not going to be confused with Happy Gilmore. I don't know. That's just me kind of speaking out loud, thinking out loud. I'm trying to figure it out as well. Like I said, there is absolutely something different about Tiger Woods. He just has it. I just don't know what that it is. I would love for you guys to tweet me at Zone and just tell me what, it, what is it about Tiger Woods that makes him so different than everybody else? Why are we drawn to Tiger Woods the way we are? It's, it's just difficult for me to try and understand it. But I love the guy. And I would watch him golf before I would watch anybody play any other sport. And I don't think I'm alone. And the 69% ratings increase for the PGA Championship would indicate I'm definitely not alone. This Maryland story, shifting gears, is terrible. There's not, you know, there's, there's not really anything all that much to say other than it's terrible. Jordan McNair died. A 19-year-old from Randallstown, Maryland, died on June the 13th, two weeks after showing signs of extreme exhaustion could barely stand upright after running two 110-yard sprints in the heat at the University of Maryland for now 
I would say former coach DJ Durkin because I don't see that guy coming back to the program. Administrative leave is a term that we've heard of multiple times over the last month. Probably one that you would hope you would never hear. But we've heard it about Urban Meyer, and that situation continues. Zach Smith talked to investigators today, or he's going to talk to him this week, but he it was revealed today that he also got caught in 2013 and was arrested for operating a vehicle while intoxicated. Pulled over in February, five years ago, going 17 miles per hour over the speed limit, refused a breathalyzer test, didn't pass the field sobriety test. Charge was later reduced, and he's come out this afternoon since Brett McMurphy, of course, is the one to put this out after the Toledo, or he's the one that actually kind of brought it out. The Toledo Blade actually reported it originally. Brett McMurphy came out and said that the judge who reduced the charge is an Ohio State graduate and a member of the President's Club. I don't really know all that. I mean, a lot of OVIs get reduced, especially if it's his first one. But it's just another indicator of Zach Smith having issues, especially issues with alcohol, which was part of the issue in twenty in uh, 2009. But Zach Smith came out and said, hey, I didn't tell Urban Meyer or Ohio State about this. I took care of this outside the confines of the university. So again, finding ways to make sure Urban Meyer, there's a wall surrounding him and Zach Smith as much as humanly possible. But the DJ Durkin thing is different because here we have a dead 19-year-old. And the article that came out on ESPN that Heather Denich and a couple of others put together talking about the culture under Durkin at Maryland, the strength and conditioning coach Rick Court was one of his first hires in 2015. And when you look at some of the things that were described, fear and intimidation, player holding a meal, gets it slapped out of his hands in front of the team, small weights and objects thrown in the direction of players when this strength and conditioning coach was angry. Belittling, humiliation, embarrassment. A player that was overweight. Coaches wanted him to lose weight. He was forced to eat candy bars as everybody else worked out. And he had to watch them. Verbal abuse, obscenities, masculinity being mocked. This from the article. Unhealthy eating habits. Few, uh, food being used as a punitive punishment. Forced to overeat or eat to the point of actually vomiting. All of this is absolutely awful. And Jordan McNair passed away. And his attorney, or one of the attorneys representing the family, came out in an interview, I think it might have been last night, but it was making the rounds today, and said, DJ Durkin needs to be fired for three reasons. One, what he did. Two, what he didn't do. And three, the impact on the football program. There may be a civil lawsuit as well. They are investigating it. Maryland is investigating it. He's on administrative leave. He's probably not coming back. He probably shouldn't be coming back. And on the other side, when we come back, I'm going to play you two pieces of audio. One from South Carolina head coach and friend of DJ Durkin, Will Muschamp, on Friday. And then him trying to clarify those comments because of how bad they sounded on Friday and still finding a way to defend his friend at the worst possible time. One more segment. Don't miss it. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Final segment of the program, Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. A little REM for you here on this Monday. 
So there's a lot of talk about sources when it comes to journalism. And anonymous sources can get a really bad rap and sometimes deservedly so because you don't know when you hear anonymous source exactly what that means. But, and I heard this described very, very well and read it as well over the last couple of days looking into this Maryland situation and Will Muschamp's response. As a matter of fact, before I talk about that, let's get to that audio. By the way, this is a big six. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. So we were talking about DJ Durkin and the just absolutely tragic death of 19-year-old Jordan McNair, a lineman who was doing 110-mile-per-hour sprints, ended up with 106 temperature, overheated, had a heat stroke, and died in June. And Will Muschamp is a friend of DJ Durkin's, very close friend. And Durkin's been placed on administrative leave. Will Muschamp was asked a question by the media during a South Carolina press conference on Friday, and here is how he chose to address that. Well, I think the, the big thing is, is criticism. You need to criticize the performance, not the performer. And I think that that's something we talk about as a staff a lot. And there's a certain way you can talk to a young man about how he's playing and what he needs to do to improve. Uh, you know what? I know DJ Durkin. He worked for me for four years at the University of Florida. He is a are an outstanding football coach. He's also an outstanding husband and a father. He treats people with respect. And I will use your word, alleged article. There's no credibility in anonymous sources. You know, if that former staffer had any guts, why didn't he put his name on that? I think that's gullus. And in any business, and in any company, and in any football team, especially right here in August, you can find a disgruntled player. It's probably not playing. So I think it's a lack of journalistic integrity to print things with anonymous sources. But I know DJ Durkin personally, and I know what kind of man he is. I know what kind of person he is. I talked to him this morning, and I don't think he's right. So next question. Well, that was dumb. Incredibly dumb, as a matter of fact. Not once in that diatribe against anonymous sources did Will Muschamp mention Jordan McNair at all he defended DJ Durkin and did you notice in what priority list he defended him he's a very good football coach he's also a great husband and a great father and I don't believe any of this He's been placed on administrative leave, has Durkin, along with three staff members. And he goes off on anonymous sources. He's like, that staffer's gutless because he didn't put his name behind it. First off, it wasn't one guy. Then he talks about, you can always find somebody that's not on the field that'll say bad things about the coach to get him fired because he's mad he's not on the field. Well, some of the people that were not on the field that were part of this anonymous source list are former players who couldn't be on the field in any capacity. So what exactly did they have to gain? And it wasn't one source. It was a lot of them. And why? And while, yes, you can certainly poke holes sometimes in anonymous sources. And you've got to be careful in those situations. Anonymous sources are also responsible for some of the biggest reveals and biggest blockbusters we've ever seen. Not just in sports. In news. In global events. In everything. 
Sometimes sources can't go on the record. Sometimes you're going to protect your sources either way. This was not one disgruntled person, and that's what Will Muschamp said. So everybody went crazy on Will Muschamp, as they should, because he picked the worst possible time to defend DJ Durkin. So then a couple of days later, and I believe this may have been Saturday, or it may have even been yesterday, he tried to clarify those comments by saying this. I'm wondering if you notice any of the feedback and if you have any follow-up to saying that people are gutless if they remain anonymous or is it just more of an emotional reaction to defending a friend? Well, I think, first of all, my, my thoughts and prayers are with the McNair, McNair family. You know, I can't imagine as a father of losing my son or a son. Uh, it is a horrific situation, um, a tragic situation. And uh, I don't know what else to say. I was talking about DJ Durkin, a man that I know very well Saturday. I know him as a coach. I know him as a husband. I know him as a father. And I find it hard to believe some of the things that I read in that article about DJ Durkin. And I'll leave it at that. He started right there by talking about Jordan McNair. So maybe he finally realized, yeah, you know what's not anonymous? You know who isn't anonymous? Jordan McNair is not anonymous. And maybe I didn't pick the right time for this. But South Carolina's actually come out this afternoon and defended him and said they're, that Will Muschamp's absolutely right about anonymous sources. We are going after the messenger. We're going after Tom Herman. We got, you know, Ohio State guy that's written books about Ohio State claiming that Tom Herman was the source for Brett McMurphy. We're going after sources. Not even caring about the stories? Like, who cares? Maybe I'm the only one, but I don't care if Tom Herman was the one who tipped him off. And I don't care what reason it was. If, in fact, it actually gets us to the truth. Because we weren't going to get to the truth any other way. I, I believe Tom Herman, as far as I can tell. And I believe Brett McMurphy as well. But the whole thing to me makes absolutely no sense. But Will Muschamp has now twice defended DJ Durkin with really no evidence at all. Just I don't. I find it hard to believe the things that are in this article. Okay, cool. But they're in the article, and he's been placed on administrative leave. The investigation will find out for sure, but multiple sources said that his entire program is built on fear and intimidation. Makes me wonder what's happening in South Carolina. Let's make you smarter on the way out the door. Just a fantasy football tidbit for you. Antonio Brown, who's the cover athlete of Madden 19, the best fantasy wide receiver for four consecutive seasons in terms of his rate of success. By comparison, no quarterback has repeated since Dante Culpepper in 2003 for two years. No running back has repeated since Priest Holmes in 2002. So Antonio Brown, pretty daggone impressive. Fast talk next Right here on 104.5 The Zone. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night. We're off tomorrow. Mike Vrabel Show. We'll see you on Wednesday.